0: God our Savior, as we hear your word, read and proclaimed, send your Holy Spirit to be our teacher of faith and truth, and show us how we are called to live through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture today is from the fourth chapter of Ephesians, starting with the first verse. one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. And then skipping a couple of verses, the gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to acquit the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro, blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming but speaking the truth in love. We must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ from whom the whole body joined and knitted together by every ligament with which it is equipped. As each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. O Lord, may my words and may the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Is your life living up to your calling? The writer of Ephesians made that challenge to the Christians at Ephesus and poses that challenge to us today. Now we think of certain people as called pastors, missionaries, and people who do heroic work like nurses and doctors and teachers. But every Christian, every one of us has a calling. What characterizes, what distinguishes a life that's worthy of your calling? Paul tells us It is a life lived with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So five things characterize a life worthy of your calling. Humility, gentleness, patience, forbearance, working for unity. The word humility comes from a word that means dust, dirt. Humility. Humility means remembering that we are dust, and to dust we shall surely return. No matter how much land we have, no matter how much money we make, no matter how good a shape we're in now, no matter how much education we have or what accomplishments we celebrate, we are mortal. The Latin phrase to remember is Memento Mori. Remember, you will die, the Romans said. All of us, we are dust, and to dust we shall return. So we need to stay humble. If humility is on one end of the spectrum or the line, then the arrogance and pride are at the other end. The Greeks had a word for overbearing pride, hubris. It was, if you will, the Achilles heel, the weakness of many main characters in their literature because arrogance, overbearing pride, it's not just a characteristic that can make us unpleasant to live with, or in the case of some really obnoxious to watch on television, and I'm not just talking politicians, but it can be downright dangerous. It can lead to mistakes with fatal consequences. So be humble. Gentleness is the second mark of a life lived true to our calling, worthy of our calling. The Greek word that was translated gentle here, in the Beatitudes it was translated meek. The philosopher Aristotle used that very same Greek word to describe the golden mean between excessive anger and inadequate anger. It's what psychologists call assertiveness. My version of that concept, assertiveness, or gentleness in that sense, is standing up for yourself without stomping on somebody else's toes. Well, just for example, out on the interstate, it's the kind of driving that avoids both running other cars down and avoids getting run over yourself, which is not so easy to do, is it? <laughs> Well, with humility and gentleness goes patience. How do you develop patience? Part of the way to do that is to say, well, you know, what have I done that tried other people's patience? How can I be more patient with people that are making me wait, people that are explaining something to me like I'm an idiot. Don't you like that? (laughs) Especially if people, if it's a person who's a young professional and decided, you're old and I need to talk to you like I'm patting you on the head. (laughs) We need to find ways to find patience with others. It's a challenging task. Well, humility and gentleness and patience are the companions of Forbearance, forbearance is, that's an old-fashioned word. Nowadays, we'd say cutting people some slack. It's how we treat people if we ask ourselves those, what I call the golden rule question, such as, if I would made that kind of mistake, how would I want other people to treat me? That is, to the extent that I'm aware of my own shortcomings and we all have limitations there, how do I want other people to treat me? One way to have more patience and forbearance is to remember our own mistakes, our own shortcomings before we cast that first stone. Well, we live in an age where if if your mistake makes the news or YouTube, you can be judged, condemned, and unofficially sentenced by millions. Last week, everyone saw all that hullabaloo about the, the, the man that shot the lion. First with an arrow, later with a, using a searchlight with a, with a gun. I actually saw things on Facebook where people wanted that man killed. Do we really want to be judged ourselves that harshly for what others regard as a mistake? Probably not. I know, I know, you don't have that much sympathy for him either. (laughs) But you probably don't want to kill him, do you? Okay, well, so with all that humility and gentleness, patience and forbearance, what do we need to be doing? Working for unity, but not just ordinary garden variety unity, we're to be making every effort to maintain the unity in the spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, in the bond peace and how do we do that well by remembering what I call the seven ones there's one body and one spirit as we were called to the one hope of our calling one Lord one faith one baptism one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all now you would think that keeping in mind the seven ones there would be unity in the church But ah, the church is made up of human beings. People who are sure they're right and you're wrong. People who want their own way and not my way. People so focused on their own issues, they lose sight of the goal. What Paul called the one hope of your calling. So what is that one hope of our calling? The reign of Christ the King. We live in a world where people are often divided into two groups, them and us. We got it right and they got it wrong. It's just one problem with that outlook. There is no us and them, it's just us. We are all called to be disciples of Jesus Christ and together as the church to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, for whom the whole body joined together, knitted together by every ligament with which it's equipped, as each part is working properly, will promote the body's growth and building itself up in love. Thanks be to God. You and I don't go anywhere by accident. Wherever you and I go, God's sending us. Wherever we are, God has put us there. God has purpose in putting us there. So God who dwells within you has something he wants you to do. Wherever you are, believe this. Go in his grace and love and power.